Okay, let's let's learn. I want to begin, of course, with thanking uh, by thanking my, my good friends Chana and David Bugayer, you know, the Bitzadikim, and and to give us to let us use the house. They have Hashem so many brachas. Hashem should give them more and more brachas. I was thinking when I was driving here, I really was never in this part of the town. And the kids were trying to describe to me. My shiny was telling me exactly where she knows exactly where. And then I came and I said, oh, I found the street and uh, I, I had this silly thought that you know, I've spoken to so many places all around the world, Baruch Hashem, but I was never in Neptune. And, and, and even though people tell me I'm spacey, but this is, a, this is a, an opportunity to be in this special house that's built with so much chesed and sweetness and so much turning your Shemayim. And the does Hashem, even the houses on Neptune will go back to Yerushalayim. Like Dushas Levi, the Baditsha, we have a Kabbalah that I've mentioned to you many times, that the Holy Baditsha has said it's not only the shuls and chutzlars that are going to go back to Yerushalayim, but even the Jewish homes that are filled with Torah and Tefillah, that those Jewish homes will also be able somehow to, to be brought to Yerushalayim. We don't know what that means. We don't understand it. And we don't, until we see it, but if the Sadiq said it, then we certainly could rely upon it. So, so thank you very much. And let's continue. Let's continue on page. Dal, the truth is it would be very good to sit just straight for like, for like a, a week and do, do it continuously without having to have breaks. But um, that's part of, that's part of the, that's part of Garlis. That's what we're in. And we try to have what we can. On page Dalad, in the countries, page Dalad where it says, again, we started this, and we, well, actually, we're up to page Hay. We're up to page Hay. Maybe we could start from the left-hand column on page Hay, where it says, V'yesh, on the right-hand column, V'yesh, Lonu, it says, Shchihad, Sum. You see that? The right-hand column on page Hay. But Tzimei was explaining, after, after reviewing a little bit, after some Chazor, he was telling us how HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave each and every Neshama, each soul of that child, whether it's to the parent, whether it's to a Rebbe, and in a certain way, even between friends. There's a reason why... There's a reason why people meet each other and become friends. Every neshama that comes into our into our little circle is, is uh, certainly even more so when it's a child or when it's a student is sent our way as a pikadon, as a pikadon, which means some sort of security that doesn't really belong to us. That Hashem has brought sent this child into our lives as a pikadon, as a pikadon, as something that we have to take care of and watch. It really belongs to Hashem. And we have to try to return it to him in the best possible way at 120 that we have to be able to look at Hashem in the eyes, Kibyachal, and say that we've done the best that we could do, we've done our jobs. So there's a tremendous, tremendous requirement in halacha. There's many, many details in halacha that actually are going to be learning this year in the Chabur with the men in the morning of Shmiras Pikadon, of being a faithful guardian for the security that you're holding on to. If you're watching something, if you have to watch something for somebody that doesn't belong to you, you have to be very, very careful what you do with that security. That because you have to be very careful not to use it in the wrong way, not to, not to, it shouldn't get lost, it shouldn't get stolen. Right? So that's what we're talking about. Making sure to, to watch these precious pigdonel, these pigdonels that Hashem has sent us, these precious neshamas to watch them. And the entire country's theory has really been reviewing more. We're going to be soon getting into the meat of the countries of what do we actually do? How do we watch these neshamas? What's our responsibility in watching the neshamas? So, on page hey, in the right-hand column, it says, We spoke about this a few years ago. Actually, it wasn't here. I spoke about this in the summer. If any of you heard the tapes from the Inspired Parenting, the first, the first set of tapes. So, so, a person has to think, especially a parent has to remember, what an unbelievable schus it is that Hashem chose us. 
In other words, when Hashem had this nisham that He wanted to send into the world, so Hashem, and that nisham is absolutely necessary for the world, so Hashem went through all of His files, and His files are not just at one time, it's from the beginning of history to the end. Hashem went through all of His files to see which would be the perfect family, the perfect parents for this neshama. Now you know how many times on a bad day we think, Hashem Yerach, and we think, oh, I feel so bad for this child. You could have done so much better, right? I feel so bad, what a mazel you have that you ended up with me. So, Hashem Yerach made a shidduch between every neshama, every soul from all of history. It wasn't, well, I have to fit this in, in this 20-year slot. No, no, no. It's from the beginning of time till the end of time, till Mashiach. That Hashem Yerach made a shidduch between that neshama and this family, these parents. And even as he's going to explain, even with the teacher, the rabbi, she goes, Baruch, what is chi, what is chus that we've chosen? Kamoshi Dibarno was barichus, Baruch Hashem, Baruch. He called Nishoma Sheyardaleno, Harei Hayyachol Leireid, Lechol Bayes Yehudi Acher, Shoklai Yisrael Bedor Hazer. Not just in this generation, actually, but that Nishoma that was sent into this world could have gone to any other Jewish home. Hashem chose Davka as his parents, meaning that Hashem knows that we are perfectly, perfectly equipped and suited, and he gives all that we need to take care of that Nisham. Ha'aba Hazeh, Davka, this father. Ha'ima Hazeh, and this mother. Hasaba Hazeh, the grandfather. Hasavta should be Hazos, right? The grandmother. And all of those, all of those who are in the circle of family and friends of this neshama. Do you know that there, that there has been in recent years, past 15 years or so, there's been particularly one Jewish, one very close of a Jew, who I understand is, is, is getting much closer to Torah Mitzvahs. Uh, his name is Dr. Weiss, who has developed a form of therapy where basically, under hypnosis, he's able to sort of take the person back to earlier lives. It's a scary thing, and, and uh, don't worry, you're not going to get to see him, because I heard there's a, waiting line of like five, there's a waiting list of like five years to get to him. But once people take a trip back to earlier lives, and they're able to see who they were in earlier lives, then when he brings them back through hypnosis, they have a tremendous Yeshua. They have a tremendous Yeshua, because they understand why, they understand why they're going through certain things now, to make tikkunan, the things from the past. They're amazing, they're amazing things. I have a friend of mine who actually spoke and went to see him. Amazing things, people talking in Hebrew, talking in Aramaic, people, uh, Jews, who, Jews who don't know anything about Yiddishkeit, that, that in, in, in an early life, they're describing under hypnosis, being, being in, a, in a town in Bavel, meeting other, meeting other Jews and the Chacham, and being there. So all kinds of amazing things. But you know one thing, that, you know one thing that's always, uh, that, that always that, that's in all of these stories when he's talking to people? that when they're in this life, <clears throat> they're together with the same circle of family and friends that they've been with for thousands of years. So he will ask under hypnosis, uh, that, that person on hypnosis is talking about, about, uh, about uh, his mother. About his mother, like, you know, 800 years ago. His mother this, his mother that. And then, and then he'll be asked, and is there anybody in this life now who's your mother? And he'll say yes. And he'll name a person. It could be a close friend. It could be a, it could be a wife. That's complicated, right? It could be it could be you know a, a child. It could be a child. It was once a mother, now it's a child. But it's always, always in your chevre, in your circle. In other words, it's a life trip. We're in we're in this together, and, and all of us. We we've been together. We've learned together in different you know situations. 
All the neshamas that are surrounding this neshama, that are connected to this neshama, in this life. Why did Hashem send this neshama for all generations to be together with these neshamas? The answer is because all of these neshamas are a unit, are a team, that are connected one to the other to lift each other up, to bring each other to perfection. All of us are connected in that way. They were handpicked and selected by the Master of the World Himself. Because only these friends, these parents, these teachers, these these classmates, all of these, this, this entire circle, only they have the ability to truly, truly illuminate the life of that person. What that child, what that person needs every day, every week, every month, and year. And therefore, the parents, the parents were given this car to watch, to guard that pikadon, the responsibility to guard that security that Hashem has sent to them. That Hashem chose us as these guardians to watch and to take care of. And we learned about this, that this gives a parent, a Rebbe, tremendous joy, tremendous simcha. Many times I'm sure we've discussed this, and even last year a little bit, how the, the greatest source of sadness in life is when a person thinks that, in, that everything that he's doing is a B'deavid. What does it mean B'deavid? You know, halacha B'deavid means, it's not the best, but alright, that's B'deavid. What could I do? And people live their entire lives, I could have, I should have, I would have, right? and filled with regret and how it could have been, I wish I could do it like this. The biggest simcha comes when a parent understands, when a rabbi, a teacher understands that Hashem Baruch has that child's address and the address is mine. And, and, and this was and this child was sent to me. It's not, this is not a bedeavid. With all those child's difficulties, some of the, our difficulties in the relationship that we have, for me to make him great and for him to make me great, this is a, this is a connection that Hashem Baruch made. This is a zivik, a shidduch that Hashem has brought made, and it couldn't be with anybody else. And when a person knows that even the difficulties that I'm going through this child are all part of the lechat of who I am, who this child is, and Hashem wants us to grow through this, then there's great simcha. With the joy, and this book really is not concentrating on that joy, that's what we spoke about more than the last time. This is concentrating on the achrayis. Achrayis, of course, means the awesome responsibility that this creates. Every rabbi, every teacher that receives a new class, or principal that's in charge of an institution, each one has a certain responsibility for those neshamas. And those neshamas ended up in that school, in that place, in that shir, by that rabbi, by that teacher, it's not a mistake. When a new group comes into the class, it means that our Father in Heaven is sending a new Pekadon into our lives. When a person thinks, I think I mentioned this last year, that I had once a student of mine, this goes back, is a, is a Russian boy, a brilliant boy, and, and uh, he was in my class, and we were, uh, he was in my Gemara class, and we were learning together, I was his rabbi, and we were learning together for three weeks, and then, uh, I don't know how it came up, but uh, in, in Shia, in the class, I brought up the name of the school that we were in, and he said, 
Oh my goodness, I think I came to the wrong school. And it's true, he came to the wrong school. I don't know how this happened. He was supposed to go to a different, a different uh, academy, and the name of our place was also Academy. I don't know, he saw some Jewish kids and was on the, the buses on the same block. It was a crazy story, like, you know, only by Mikamaki. So he ended up in this place, and I don't know how, why he wasn't with the, I don't know, with the registration. It's a whole nicer. The kids are, the kids are, he said, you know, I think I'm supposed to go, so I don't know. I think I have to call my parents. I, 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 I'm in the wrong school. I was ready for weeks. And, you know, he's learning. And, and um, his parents were like, the parents didn't speak any English. And it was a whole different situation. And, uh, and you know, I, said, I told him, I said, look, his name is Stanley. He said, Stanley, you know, I guess, I guess you know, you're here already. We're, we're friends. And the, so, so I said, you like it here? He says, yeah, you know, I like, yeah, I, I like it. You know, I'll st- can I stay? Yes, we said, sure. You know, yeah, you're in. So, well, how shaman, it's a whole story. You know, it happened with him and uh, a beautiful story. But anyway, anyway, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, makes such a thing happen. There are all kinds of amazing things. He says we should think about it. Shakol Hasibus, Belishir Vasov, all the causes, all the chain of events, without end. Why did the Rebbe get this class? And I always think about that with that boy. That this boy ended up, they ended up being being one of my one of my chaver. And you know, it obviously wasn't the parents were doing everything they could not to get him into this. You know, it was to be someplace else. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Besides, that he came, that the family came out from Russia, and how they came out was, you know, we, uh, you know, once he was over by the Shabbos and the miracles, Nisim and the Flos, how they got out from that that time and that place, and how they ended up in New York. They're supposed to go to Los Angeles. Also, they got they're like Fablonjid, you know, these Jews. They get like off, always on the wrong bus or boat or plane, and and you could tell. I mean, this what I, so. And he, what all of it was that he ended up in, he ended up, you know, and he made a couple of good chazay, and we had that little group. Who knows, right? Why did this person end up becoming a rebbe for these boys, for these uh, teacher for these girls? All different things that bring us to where we are. If you think about it, every child, and that child ends up in a certain class, in a certain yeshiva, if we go back to the time before the parents were married, growing up, and how the parents met each other, and why they ended up in that neighborhood, and this, there are a million amazing things that are involved. We just don't, we don't usually think about it. But why did I meet, you know, why did you meet your husband here, and then we ended up there, and going here, and that the child should be in this place, and so on. All of these things. All of these causes, all of these things that we could talk about and tell stories about are really garments. And, and are concealing the truth, which is what? How the Rebbein Shalom his amazing way, in, in a way of unbelievable concealment. How Hashem has made all of these arrangements. That these children should end up in this place. The most important truth, and this is the true reality, is that Hashem in Shemaim has chosen me, has chosen us as parents, or as a Rebbe, as a teacher, to take care of this Neshama. A Pikodon, again, the security, when someone gives you to watch it, is given directly from the the one who owns it to the one who has to watch it. From Hashem to the person, to the parent, the teacher. Because 
the, whatever, how this child arrived in this class, the Rebbe doesn't usually know the whole story, but, but he has to remember every single day in the class that the, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has sent me this Bikadim, of these 20 or 25 or Bachroim, or it's a principal, or a Shashiv, there could be hundreds and hundreds of what, of Pigdonas that was sent to him. Which is an achrayis, which is a tremendous, frightening responsibility, but at the same time, it gives a principal, a teacher, a parent, a tremendous sense of joy. And when Hashem sends that pikadim to us, that child to us, He sends with each child unbelievable kaiches. That's why when, so very often I have conversations with, with, with the fathers, with mothers, and uh, a lot of times they'll have a couple that they, that one, one either the, sometimes the mother, sometimes the father, wants to have another child, and the other one can't, you know, imagine how it's possible, and this causes sometimes friction and difficulties between a husband and wife, and it's so hard for us to care for the children that we have, and, and how could this, how is it possible, they can't imagine how is it possible to have another child. I'm not even talking about the financial considerations, that now you have to be, you have to be a Rothschild just to pay tuitions, but, but, but besides, but it's not only that, it's just the, a parent feels, look, I pour my kishkas into my kids, I give every ounce of energy to my kids, of love, of caring, of, of taking care of, of worrying. I don't have in my soul, I don't have in my heart any more room. I'm sorry, Rabbi. I don't have in my heart any more room. Or the husband says to the wife, the wife says to us, I have no more room. I'm stretching myself beyond anything imaginable. All of those deborum, all of those words, are only before you meet the new baby. And every parent knows that the second that you meet the new baby, the second that you meet the baby, all of those speeches about how I can't, are absolute narishkeit. Do you see them to be absolute narishkeit? Ah, it's hard. The Rabbi Shalom sends with every neshama a kit of new kaiches, of new, of more love, of more caring, of more worrying, of more concern, of more giving, of more panasa. The Rabbi Shalom sends gifts with each and every child that comes. A complete little world comes with that child. That's what he says. Even if you don't know Yiddish, it sounds good, right? But let's translate. We're going to have to translate. Fiery. Like fire. Fiery. Shining. Burning. Heilige and holy. Kaiches. Kaiches nefloim. Wondrous kaiches. Energy and strength. Lishmaras have picotten to take care of this new little picotten that's crying in the in the, uh, in the mother's arms. That new little picotten. Lishmaras have been as abbas to to watch to to watch to take care of this of this boy of this girl as a talmud, the student. Kochos blishir the sight without without end. That, that it's it's limitless. It's without it's without end. Do you think that a parent? We had somebody in our house last year that Bli'ai and her is somebody that has 16 children. And all my wife wanted to know was about the laundry and how you do, you know, the supper and laundry, how you do that and like the technical things. No, so that's my, my, because that's, you know, women are very, very practical and have to think like my wife just said, how do you, you, know, how do, you do that? And I was thinking more in the theoretical, I wasn't thinking about that because I don't, I don't get involved in that stuff. And so I was thinking more, I was thinking about this. But, all right. I don't know how I don't know how you do that with a uh, you know how you hang that supper and stuff and I don't know how that works but 
But I don't understand, like, the very strong, how does it, how, when it comes to, like, when the, when the, when worrying about a child, like, in school or with friends, and, and, how, and the child looks unhappy, and, and all these things, I, I get so much sugar over each one. And, and I don't know how, and you, and, you, and you fall into that small place in your head, and you don't, you don't remember that there's a Rabbani Shalom who's great, and the Rabbani Shalom, with each child, sends new kaiches to a parent. Really, really new kaiches, fresh kaiches. And not only that, when, when a new child comes into the home, all the other kinderlach get new kaiches too. Usually that, that we see in a very open way, because children, little children don't hide their emotions so much. The excitement, the lichtigkeit, the light that comes into a house when there's another neshama, and how the children get new kaiches, new kaiches, more, more ahava, more love, more giving. Yeah, it's crazy and the screaming and it's hard and this and all the difficulties. And this and this parent, these parents with that kind of heart with that large family, it's, it must be total bedlam. But new, new, new abilities, new abilities to be patient, to be giving, to be caring. Every individual person in this world was given a specific task, a specific job, a responsibility. As we spoke about last week, that we were, that we were sent as shlichim, as messengers of Hashem to this world. It says, Next page. The same way that each and every one of us was given the ability to watch ourselves as adults. To take care of ourselves and to guard ourselves from doing, God forbid, something that we shouldn't be doing or going places we shouldn't go and seeing things and talking about things that we shouldn't be involved in. And Hashem gives us the ability every day of our lives to what? To, to elevate our level of protecting and guarding our own neshamas. To lift up that we should be more pure. That we should be more able, more gentle, more refined. Especially in three things where Chazal are cooking in these three things. It's an expression in Yiddish which means very, very strong, very sharp at cooking in these three things. What's that? There are covenants that there are, there's, the Jewish people made a covenant with Hashem. These are terms that you might not be familiar with coming up right here, but it's found a lot, a lot in this form. In general, we're reading the parashiyas now, we're in the parasha of, of the bris, of the bris that Hashem made with Avram Avinu, and all of us are members of that covenant. We're all, we're all children of, Hash, of Avram Avinu and Sarimenu, we're partners, and, and we have a covenant with Hashem. But within that covenant, a covenant means an agreement and a commitment, and I was talking about this on Shabbat Shuvah. There are, there are different levels of bris. What are the, what are the three brisms that are discussed as, as subcategories of the bris? as far as our responsibility is concerned. Of course, keeping, keeping Torah mitzvahs, observing mitzvahs, but there are three, there are three brisos. Bris haloshim, the covenant of the tongue, of the mouth, guarding our mouths. Ubris hamaor, that means guarding, guarding the bris mila, the male and the female, meaning the kedusha of, of that aspect of life, of relationships between men and women. And bris ha'inayim, and the covenant of the eyes, of what we look at. We're going to be talking about this a lot. A bris means that more than anything, Hashem Baruch has has asked us, and we agreed that we would do our best to guard our mouths, to guard our our eyes, what we look at, and and to guard the Holy Covenant of the Bris. 
of, of this union of the relationship that we have, relationships that we have in that world of, of intimacy. It says in the psalm that really the tachlis of our avayda in this world is to try to refine, to uplift, and to be loyal and faithful to these covenants of the eyes, the mouth, and the bris. It says in Eiv, Adam la'amal yulad. I'm sure many of you remember that prosik. You've seen that. It means man was created to toil. Amal, amelus means work, hard work. So it says in the prosik, Adam la'amal yulad. Man was created to work hard, hard work. And the Gemara talks about, because I'll talk about what, what type of work. What does that mean, amal? Does it mean physical labor? Does it mean working and learning? Does it, what, what kind of work? Housework? What is meant by amal, hard work? So it says in this form, it's brought down from the Chidon others, Amal, the three letters Ayin, Nan, Lamed, who Ayin is the eye, Maor means the sexual organ, and the Lashon is the mouth, the tongue. Adam Amal Yulad means that the greatest responsibility that we have as Jews is to, is to guard the covenant of the eye, the mouth, and the, and the bris. That as adults, this is our tafkid, this is our shlichus, to work on ourselves, to refine ourselves, because all averis, all averis are connected to the misuse and the abuse of those three, of those three parts of who we are, the eyes, the mouth, and the bris. And the kedusha of a Jew, the holiness, the greatness of a Jew, come davke from from a person refining these the kaiches of the eyes, the mouth, and the bris. Now what about the children? So the so the Tzimai is saying that even in certain degree, even more so than, than we have the responsibility to watch ourselves. When I, that's our business. You know, if we, if we make wrong choices, if we make wrong decisions, and as a result of that, God forbid, we bring to our own personal downfall, that's a decision that we make with our own Bechir Chavshis. A human being has free choice. But when a child is sent to us as a Neshama, is sent as a Bikot to each and every one of us, so Tzimai says the responsibility is even greater. That what? That we should raise the child protecting the child and training and teaching the child to what? To guard the covenant. To guard the covenant of the eyes, the mouth, and the and the bris. And in the case of a girl, of course, the that which corresponds to the kedusha in that area. That, that, that even more so, as adults, as adults, we make choices. Certainly we are, we are influenced and affected by things that happen to us as we're children. When Hashem sends into our lives a new neshama, when Hashem sends either a child or a student, but a new neshama comes our way, then then the fact that you and I might have all different complications from our past and things that things that we, we've struggled with, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. But when a baby comes into our lives, the baby's brand new, clean, 100%, and the Shammah was sent to us. And Hashem's Baruch is saying, Adam la'amal yulad, I ask you to take care of your own enayim eyes. I ask you to take care of your own lashon, your own mouth, and what and the ma'or and the kedusha of the bris. I ask you that. And, and your your good days, your bad days, that's between me and you. But I'm sen- I'm sending you a brand new, beautiful, tire, precious neshama, and and that neshama does not have your 
inyanim, your things that you've gone through, and and to give that child the proper shmirah to take care of the child, to guard the eyes, the mouth, the bris, that the child should be properly taken care of. So now, how do we do that? What does that mean? Continuing, which is the subject of the entire countries. Watching. Each and every day Hashem gives us new karchis. A new brachas to give us the ability to be able to fulfill this responsibility. And afterwards, she says, first I want to explain how to talk a little bit about how Chazala have revealed to us the chashivas of the Shmira and how we have the ability to, 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 to guard the children. And then we're going to talk about actual steps and methods that Chazal and the Tzadikim taught us about going, how do we go about doing this? That we have unnatural, supernatural kreches in this area. That Hashem has given us that we could protect and guard the pureness, the purity of the child. Meaning it refers to us as well. But to be able to what? To guard our eyes and, to, and our mouth. As halev, our hearts, as hamorach, and our minds. As hamachshovis vahahagation, to guard our thoughts and our emotions. As haramach vahashasa, every limb of our bodies. Vaod vaod in yonim shetzarach lishmar, mikol mine kochus shalochamim keneged tahar. Hashem Isbarach gives us the ability, even though we're living in such a deranged time, we're living in such a crazy, crazy, mixed up time. So a person to begin with feels that it's not impossible. How, how is it possible to stand up and to, and to be able to contend with, the, with, the, with, with the, these things that our grandparents, our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents never ever had to contend with? And there's, a, there's an attack every single minute of our lives and our children's lives. You can't drive in the street without, without, without being attacked. And every single advertisement, every single, every single show, every single thing that we see is what is 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 against these these three brisim, these the covenant that, that consists of the three covenants, the sub covenants of of the eyes, the mouth, and the bris. And how are we supposed to do that? But he says that a person has to know that if we were put into this time in history, if Hashem sent down the Shambhas into this time, that means that we could do it. Hashem it doesn't mean that he expects us to be as, uh, to be like the Chabad Chaim was, or to be like the Arizal was. But we can we can on our level do what we need to 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 raise ourselves and to raise our children with proper shmir. Kinegit <coughs> kedusha, all these forces that are fighting against holiness. Kol mine visuge yitzharim, all different types of yitzharus. Kol mine kaitus ben mi b'fni ben mi b'chutz. Things that are fighting from within us, within our within our our, our own. Experiences in our lives and things from outside, from inside. that they spoke a great deal about this. Hashem does not want us to take our minds off of this at all. What does that mean? So he explains. wrote. 
So you know, people are very, very careful about the Zman, that, should be the, that they shouldn't miss the time of saying Shema, and the time of, of Davnik Shema Esri. They should do everything according to Allah. The last of and someone that's learning, that he should have his Seder and learning, that to have a time for learning. Lukaim kol ha and we try, the Chaim said, to keep all the mitzvahs in the proper way. Ben biyachid, ben betzibur, as individuals, as a community. Kain mitzvah v'chayv ha'ayd yaiseh. The Chavetz Chaim said it's even a greater mitzvah. Al kol echid lahaktish is ma'asosav l'fakeh v'lashgiyach b'chinuch b'nav v'benosav. It's no less of a mitzvah. The same way that, that everybody knows that they have to keep Shabbos. And they have to light Shabbos candles by a certain time. And that's a responsibility. And you can't, you can't miss that responsibility. So the Chavetz Chaim says that we have to realize to, to, that there has to be time that is spent to devote time and energy to what? To, to pay attention to the mashgiach and the chinuch, the education of our, of our sons and daughters. That they should be raised and educated in the way in, this, in the ways of our of our, of our ancestors and our and the tzaddikim of earlier generations. That we see that parents throughout history, Jewish parents, raise their children with tremendous mysterious nefesh. It says, What wouldn't a Jewish parent do for a child? What sacrifice doesn't a parent make? A parent is prepared to make every sacrifice for a child. You see, parents. You know, I had this conversation with a, with a, with a man from the, from the area a few weeks ago. When he was telling, you know, he couldn't, he, he couldn't understand. He was having a hard time. His, his son was, his son was, his, he should, son's having terrible problems in yeshiva and he doesn't want to be in yeshiva. You know, it's, it's a very, very bad situation. And so the father came to talk to me. He was telling me that how much, he's, how much he does for this, his son, how much he gives to his son. So I said, what do you do for him? So he's describing to me how you know I, I, I took him I took him to this game and I went to this and then I take him to Florida and, uh, and, I, and I bought him this and I get him that and there's no other kid in the block that, that had an electric little car but he had a stupid little bicycle my kid had an electric car you know I'll, uh, you know all, all these things so so you know in a nice way I, tried, I was talking to him I, tried, I hope it was nice and I tried I was saying that that it's true that you love your child and you're most nervous for the child but you know, to give him these things and to be able to have the kind of job where you could afford to pay for these things and to take him on trips and to have a good time and to get him the nicest clothing and he has the he has the most expensive baseball glove and he goes to every little league and he never misses this this thing or that thing. But but in a serious nefesh, I think that your son maybe could use is to is to talk to him a little bit, you know, to spend some time and to maybe you know develop uh, more of a kesher as, as human beings as opposed to being just a provider. And the serious nefesh means, you know, to take some time if necessary off from work. No, I can't, I can't because then I won't be able to take him to Florida. So I said, you know, your child needs you more than he needs Disney. That's what I told him. I said, your child needs you more than he needs Disney. And, you know, it's, it's a nice thing and it's good to spend time together and if you can manage that, that's great. But, but the serious nefesh to, to be involved in the, in the child's life and to pay attention to what the child's going through and to see what the child is going through. We want to give our children everything, spiritually and physically. We want our children to, to, to have the best. And we're prepared to be much and effort, we're prepared to, uh, to go through tremendous self-sacrifice. Right? There are people who are spending 
what I mentioned before, tuitions, it's not the yeshiva's fault. I mean, the yeshivas have to pay the teachers, and, the te- and it's, it's very hard for the yeshivas to manage. I'm not blaming any yeshiva. The yeshivas, there are families that are paying such unbelievable, unbelievable tuitions that they're spending so much, and it's with mysterious nefesh. If we wouldn't be Jews and we didn't have to send our kids to yeshivas, our lives would be um, unbelievably simple. We wouldn't have to worry, and we wouldn't have to work so hard, and, the, and, the, and, the, and we'd be able to be home more. Right? But because we want the children to go to yeshivas with mysterious nefesh, so then a person has to stop and think. Remoisa nefesh, we have remoisa nefesh that the children, that the, that the, no other the children should go to yeshiva. So a person has to look and see, is this the decision to, when a person sends a child to the yeshiva? What is this decision based upon? You know how many times I've had conversations with parents where I've heard, where I've heard the following thing. This I have to say, mostly I've heard from women, maybe just because the men don't even talk about it club. So women will talk about it. Mostly, I've had this, I've heard from women over the years, hundreds of times. I don't know if, that's, if this school, after I've spent an hour trying to speak about how much you, your son could learn in this place and grow as a Jew and, or your daughter, so I've heard hundreds of times where, where it's usually the woman will say, I don't know if the parents of the yeshiva are for us, or our type. And I said, I wasn't talking about... Uh, you know, a Shabbaton or something. I'm not talking about a retreat, and I wasn't even talking about you at all. When did I even talk? I didn't mention you at all in this conversation. I really don't care about your friends or your little gatherings and whether you have your nice little Shabbos meals, imagining that that's Hachmas and you know, socializing. I, I, I didn't uh, talk to you or about you. I spoke to you about your child. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to impress upon you that a Jewish boy has the ability to learn Kolotarakula. Not, not like most of the boys that go to, to, to many of the yeshivas. When I, I speak to them, you talk to them, they're 14, 15, 16 years old, they can't read Rashi. They can't read Rashi, they can't read a Gemara. If, if it's a smarter kid, okay, and he'll try to pick up. But a boy, a boy that has, a, a Jewish boy, a Jewish girl, infinite, infinite kaychas to grow and learning in your Shemayim. In your Shemayim. And I didn't ask you whether or not you're comfortable with those parents. Who says you have to be comfortable with them anyway? And I know, you could, you, I know you're thinking, a million things you could argue with me, just very polite, and maybe you want to about that. But the M is the M is all the arguments are, are hevel verig. If you really, hevel means nonsense. The arguments are nonsense about how you feel. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I didn't ask you if you're ready for that. We're talking, what's the best thing you can do for your child? You, you never said that you're not sure that you're ready for your child to have the nicest clothing. You come from a poor family. I don't know, maybe I'm not ready for my child to have such nice clothing. Anyway, I never heard you, I never had, you never had any strikers about you being ready for the children to look so nice and to be so pretty and put together and beautiful. You didn't, you didn't wonder about that. And when it comes to the ruchnius, when it comes to, when it comes to what, to davening, to learning, so you're worried, what is it going to mean if my little girl comes home dressed a certain way? What does that mean for me? Am I going to have to, what does that mean? All these shilas I'm not going to go into by because you understand very, very delicate, sensitive issues that are, are, are sometimes with certain people, it's almost impossible to talk to them because they're not thinking about what's best for the child. They want the child to have a good place, but I should be comfortable and I shouldn't have to worry or wonder about my child expecting me to be a bigger Jew or a better Jew. And if my child comes home with any expectations of me being better or different, and I, when I say better, I don't mean nicer. Everybody's nice. I mean, in halacha, more, more careful with, with shemirs and mitzvahs. And I, don't, I don't want to be challenged by my child. I, want, I, I like the way, you know, this is the sentence I use. I'm happy with who we are. Sit up. You're happy with who you are? So then you shouldn't come talk to me. I only talk to people who are happy. I don't talk to people who are happy with who they are. I don't like talking to people who are happy with who they are. 
You know what I mean. I mean, of course, to be happy. But you want to grow, or you don't want to grow. So don't play this game with me about uh, about you know who going to be who going to be your friends, who going to be your friends if you could go to that school. That, you think the Baruch Shalom is that's that's the Cheshbon and Shemaim? Do you really believe in Shemaim? That's what they're wondering about. Are you going to be happy with your what? You have like some playmates or something? You're 25, 30, 40 years old. What are you worried about friends? You have a husband. Talk to him. No, so what? You have no. You have a friend. I mean, it sounds crazy. No, in Shemaim it's not crazy. The emiss, the emiss is that the, the. This is what he's trying to tell us. The responsibility of all responsibilities is the shmir of the child. That is the number one thing in our lives. All the other stuff, I'm making fun of it, but I understand it's painful and hurts, and all of us like to have all of that work out. But all the other stuff, the, reason, the only reason I'm making, a little bit, I'm, I'm making a little bit fun is because all the other stuff really pales in comparison, in comparison to the responsibility we have for the children. And that's what he says. And everybody wants the best. We want to give them everything with mysterious nefesh. There's nothing that's too expensive. There's nothing that's the best camp, the best this, the best that. Everything has to be the best. And the truth is that this is what's kept us Jews throughout all the years. The Jewish parents were never ever satisfied with their children receiving mediocre treatment in Ruchnius or in Gashmius. Gashmius physical things, that's whatever we could do. What a Jewish parent gives away his last piece of bread for a child. He wouldn't ever keep it for himself. Keep it for himself. He gives it to his kid. But about Ruchnius, in Ruchnius, the self-sacrifice. You know, my, my, my wife told me, Myrna told me how she, that when, when, when uh, my father-in-law, he should be well, my father-in-law is a chazan and, and he had you know, different stellas in the chazan and, and teachers move around sometimes a lot. So he was in a place that was far, far. They were living in a place for a short time. That at that time, now there's some Jews over there. At that time, there were very, very few Jews in that place. And and um, and how my mother-in-law used to used to schlep the, the the little girls. They're all, they're all girls. Used to schlep the little girls for hours, going and coming. That they should go to yeshiva. And I'm thinking of here. I always thought that you know that that, that I'm so religious. And my wife was so religious, and my mother-in-law, you know, she's like in the old school. She's not so into it, like you know, the, all of us newcomers, right? The, the the new religious generation. And you know, uh, maybe my mother-in-law doesn't drink all these like we do, and other things. Then you find out that you know she was spent spent like the major part of her day just getting on buses. There was no transportation in the issue. All day long, just traveling. And if you would talk to her about it, which I did, she said, no, what do you mean? That's what you have to do. You do what you have to do. No chachmas. There were any of us. We'd be in therapy for six months, like how to do it, how to handle it, and what to do, and how I can, and, and how to know, and I have to talk it out, and maybe we could do something in home, out home, all these different aces, and what to do. And it was just, you know, my mother, the way she does everything, she just, you know, rolls up her sleeve and says, yeah, that's what we got to do. You got to do it. That's it. You have to do it. I have Jewish children, and I, and I have to go to Yeshiva. There's nothing to talk about. It was mysterious nafish. Unbelievable mysterious nafish. You know, it's a, a new respect you have, and you understand. What, what, what Jews have done and what they do for their children, that their children should be Jewish. That's what he's saying. And this has stood for us and for our, and for, that it's kept us as people of the Torah. Some in Stockholm, you saw that the Torah hasn't been forgotten. But when you meet, as you'll see, you meet, you meet men, and they'll tell you they went, they went to Yeshiva for 20 years, and they can't read. They can't read. Someone goes up to Davin, and the whole Davining is the words are all wrong. I'm not talking about that someone has some sort of a problem. I'm talking about a person that's a, that's a bright person, that's successful at work. He can't read. He can't read. So, you know how many times I've been by weddings? You know, when, I, when I'm taking, I have to get the guy. I never, I never thought about this. 
So now, now you know what I do? Every time I have to have the witnesses, you know, because I have to sign the name on the ksuba. So, you know what I do? I never, I, I never wanted to embarrass anybody because I think it's so demeaning. But I, I, I see that this is a problem. So now, when I have somebody sign, I first have them sign on a, like on a napkin or a piece of paper before. Do you know how many times I've had men who have gone their entire lives to yeshiva who will, write, who will not remember whether Avraham is spelled with an Aleph or an Ayin? I'm not talking about Shuva. I have no time. The person never went to yeshiva. That's not a time. If someone never went to yeshiva, it's not his fault. I'm talking about people who went their entire lives to yeshiva. Who went to yeshivas? Yeah, I, I went to the same yeshiva. We grew up together. Ayin and an Avraham all the time. And then it messes up the ksubi now. If you write the wrong thing, it's a, it's a big problem. I mean, you always have to bring an extra one. But now I have them right on, the, on, a, on a piece of paper. Uh, and, and it's embarrassing. I, I, I don't want the person to be embarrassed. Oh, uh, you know, I, gee, I haven't written my name in so many years. Uh, what do you mean? Avraham? <laughs> it's not, that's not a very exotic name. You know, this is, if you read the Chumash, it's every single, uh, you know, it's just, Yaakov spelling, you wouldn't believe it. It's so sad. So sad. There was something missing in the Shmira. In the Shmira. I'm not blaming who's to blame. That's not the point. The point is we want the best. Do you want to have a son or a daughter that 20 years from now is going to wonder how to spell Avram or how to write Rivka? Do, you want, do we want that? So a person has to think about what's important. What's important? Not just to be outset. That's what he says. And especially now that there's so many things that are going on in the world and the children are being attacked from all different sides, how much more so we have to be careful to, to, to be good guardians, to protect the children. Which in English is called the Torah Anthology, the translation. Where in the Torah do we have the midst of teaching children? In Shema. Every day we say, Right? It says there to teach our children, which Rashi brings down from the Gemara, means children and students, right? means students who are called children. So the din, the mitzvah, the obligation to teach Torah is found in Shema, in the Pasuk of Ishnam Tumadnach. And you know what it's right next to? Yachet in mitzvah's tefillin. Everybody knows in Shema, the mitzvah to teach, the mitzvah to teach a Jewish child, is connected to the mitzvah of putting on film, right? It's not just one sentence, we're putting on film. Why? So That the same way that there's a halacha in Shulchan there's a din that as long as the man is wearing film, he is not allowed to take his mind off the fact that they're there. That's why you constantly touch them a little bit to remember that the film are there. You have to. You're not allowed to be misir das and film. You have to remember that you have film on your arm and on your head. So the same way that you're not allowed to take your mind off of your tefillin, so too, when you have a child, you can't take your mind off your child. You can't take your mind off your child's education. Education doesn't mean just curriculum of your kid, you know, uh, in the scores. This it means the chinuch, the shmir, the eyes, the ears, the mouth. Who, you, who are the kids' friends? What are they learning? What are they picking up? Where are they? And what's going on? The great tzaddik the who, who passed away, it wasn't so many years ago, 
Shabakol Yom. Now, this is not going to be, you're not going to approve of this that he did, but you have to appreciate who he was. He was a very, very big tzaddik. It says that the Shabakol Yom, even when he was old, every single day, all of his, all of the daughters and all of the grandchildren, all of them, they all had to line up in front of him. And he would see what each one was wearing. Could you imagine? All of the children and grandchildren would have to line up before him each day for an inspection. Oh, we can't do that. You get, you know, the children would leave and they'd never come home if they made these kind of inspections. There was a roll call by the Ojo. A roll call. What? I remember when uh, I don't know how long this this must have been this is a while back when I was a, when I was a teenager at some point they had these uh, I don't know if they still sell this but all of a sudden they came with this thing that you could buy jeans that looked like they were used like pre-washed jeans I think they're called I don't know if that's still popular I don't know but there was a time this came out and uh, <clears throat> it was just like when I was starting to drive it was that it was like a very cool time you know and I got and I if I, I want if I have a car if I'm ready driving I have to I have to wear used jeans so. So I went with a couple of the guys, and we, we went to we went to I don't remember what store it was, and we, and we bought you know. And I remember I walked. I remember I, I uh, so I walked into the hat. You know, Sunday morning I was leaving. So I bought those like on Friday and Sunday morning. I put them on to go you know to go out after school. I didn't wear them to school afterwards. So I put them on, and my father was sitting reading the paper with his glasses, <laughs> and, and he was watching me. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. I was trying to like slip out. I, he, my father never, never misses anything. He says, whoa, 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 come, 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 come back here. And you know, what are you, what are you wearing? He says, oh, this is a t-shirt, you know, like a t-shirt. No, 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 I mean, uh, what's over there? What are you wearing? So I said, these are pants, uh, no change. But daddy, go change. That's not, that, that, I don't like those pants. And, and, and I think back. That was it. That was the end of it. And I didn't, you know, I maybe walked into the room uh, grumbling a little bit because all my friends, of course, are going to come, with, with the, you know, with, with their washed-out jeans, and I have to wear the pants to my, you know, like like corduroys or whatever I had to wear, and and you know, it was a little, it was a little bit, it was a little bit hard. And in those days, I'd be able to macabre these things in a different way than the children macabre it now. But but he was mashgiach, my father also. My father was mashgiach in every single thing. He didn't make, and I didn't feel that I was. I was never made to feel oppressed. Maybe it was just that it was different the way that we were raised. There wasn't a detail. There wasn't a detail that was missed. Obviously, we have to be very, very careful. We're going to talk about that. Because nowadays, especially when it comes to clothing, it could be a very big turnoff for the kids if you, if you talk about their clothing all the time. That's why a lot of the girls are very, very upset in the schools because, you know, instead of talking to you about Hashem, they're constantly talking about their sleeves, their dresses, their shirts, and, you know, this and that. And so they can, it could be a very, very big turnoff. But... But when I was, when I, you know, even though, you know, in those days we didn't, we didn't have that term turned off. It wasn't part of our lives. You just did, you know, the, I don't know, we weren't turned off. We just did what we had to. So, <laughs> so, it wasn't my father didn't have a cheshbon, like, how's my age going to deal with this? It wasn't everyone. It's still not. My father still tells me things like that. And it's not a cheshbon, like, you know, how's he going to deal with it? Because he knew that I, he knew that I trusted him and I loved him and that, and that even though I might be a little bit injured, but, but uh, I'll be fine, and that the, and he knew that he could do that with me. Uh, Demis is that, that that at different times in life. And I remember once that we were married, and uh, so uh, 
my mother had this whole thing with my beard and payas. This was a whole thing, you know. Uh, my mother didn't want me to have an untrimmed beard, and it, you know, the, it, it was a very, very uh, hard thing for her. She didn't like that. She was afraid that I'd get beaten up, and you know, it was a whole thing. So, uh, part of the reason why I always pin it up is to make is to make her happy. So the so. I, my father said, and my father used to also tell me before I was married, so my father used to say, mommy doesn't like that, and, and, and uh, you make sure to take care of it, make it nice. But the day that, that I was married, the, ne- the next day, my mother gave me, my mother also, she should be well, she, she gave me also with the beard, and my father said, that's enough. He's married, and that's, that's his Christ now with his wife. He wants no more, that's it. You do what you have to do, and you, as long as your wife is okay. That's what you have to do, and that's and that's a, a certain mahalach. But the shmirah, the hashgacha, I felt every second of my life growing up that my father's eyes were upon me, and it didn't crush me. But I felt aware of his eyes always, and he didn't tell me everything. It happened with the pants that day. He sent me back to the room. The other things that he that I only found out later on, years later, that he he told me laughing about how. He knew, he knew exactly where I was and who I was. All the proper the the details and details that I thought I got away with him. He never knew. He told me 10, 15 years later, oh, on that day, yeah, that, 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 that's where you were. I know where you went and all these things. That I, and Bishas Maise, he felt that it wasn't, it wasn't wise to tell me that he shouldn't tell me that. But he knew where I was. And in a funny way, I, I knew that he knew. But I still try to get away with it. But I, I knew that he knew. The hashgoch, the hashgoch of a parent, and what does that mean? Again, in our generation, we have to see how to do that without the children feeling uh, overwhelmed and oppressed. But yet, to feel every single second, my parents know, my parents care, they're involved, they're concerned, and but but still, we have to deal with them in the right way. God forbid, we can't you can't push them, you can't make a big deal about things that are small, you can't scream at a kid about certain external things. You have to know how to deal with it. But the child has to feel that his parents are mashgir. It's not hefker that his parents are with him every single second. So the Ozrev used to have his entire family line up, all the children and grandchildren. Whether they address the coin to Hashem's will, every single day. But you can imagine this Sadiq had his mind on the higher world. He had many things to do besides besides looking at all the grandchildren and great-grandchildren to check to see what they were wearing. But he did this every single day, even as an old man. Whether the children, when they're at home, when they're not home. You have to always know where the children are. Always. Where they are. Who they're with. Even though sometimes we have to let them go and we don't want them to go. Because we can't suffocate them, especially now at times we have to be very careful. But we still need to know where they are every single minute and who they're with. This is like this is what why the mitzvah of teaching children, raising children is right next to tefillin, because the tefillin you never like to take when you have the tefillin you never like to take your mind off the tefillin or the tzitz of the kohen gadol that was worn on the head of the kohen gadol, the headdress of the uh, dress of the of the kohen gadol, the high priest. He's not allowed to take his mind off it. Shel pe'er. The tefillin are called the splendor of a Jew, the glory of a Jew. So also the hasaradas, which we now to take our minds off of, habchin shel shmeis of shukras baruchu. The tefillin have in it Hashem's name, the name of Hashem is in the tefillin. Our children have holy neshamas. The same way you can't take your mind off the tefillin because it has Hashem's name, 
how a child, each and every Jewish child has mamish a chelikulakomimah, has mamish a portion of God himself, not just names, but his neshama is God itself. And therefore, if we can't take our minds off our tefillin, how much more so we can't take our minds off of our children, who contain within the living soul of Hashem. That every neshama that's sent into our lives is mamish like the name of Hashem. And you know how careful we are not to ever forget that the name of Hashem should go on the floor, the name of Hashem should go into the bathroom. And where are the children going on the Moshe Shabbos? They're not going to the bathroom. I don't mean to the bathroom. They're not going to places that might not be the right place for them. And even if we can't stop them from going at a certain time in life, we have to think of aces of something, at least, at least a daven, at least a daven to, to care, to be involved, to worry. Sometimes we can't tell them. We have to be careful what we say, what we don't say. It's very delicate now in our days. But still, not to have his to worry and to care and to wonder and to think. And to daven. That's the name of Hashem. My child has the name of Hashem written all over him. Where is he right now? This Shem has Hashem's name written all over it. The Zohar says that the Torah, the Jewish people, and Hashem are all one. That means every single Jew has Hashem's name on him. In the same way we're not allowed to use Hashem's name in vain. We can't say Hashem's name in vain. Also, God forbid Hashem didn't send us our children in vain. That's what I was talking about this pair of Shabbos. Hashem didn't send the children in vain. He didn't send the children that the child should be, that that boy should be the best basketball player, the best baseball player. That's good if he enjoys it, and, he, and it's nice. He didn't send that girl that she should be the, the cutest or the, this. He didn't send his, his name into this world in vain. Every child that Hashem sent us has Hashem's name written a billion times. Every inch of that child has Hashem's name. And we have to ask ourselves, am I using Hashem's name in vain? Why, what am I doing with this child? How am I raising the child? We have to be faithful to the reason that the child was sent here. My wrist sent to take care of this child. This is our job. How much Hashem is brought once. Hashem wants us to be so, so careful and to constantly think about what we could do that the shmir, that the protection, that the way that we guard the children should be even greater and should be even stronger, that we should never, ever, never, ever stop thinking and worrying and being concerned about not just that child's physical well-being. Parents, especially in, in, in these recent times that we've never in Eretz Yisrael, you know how difficult it's been, how difficult it's been for, for parents to let their children go to Eretz Yisrael. Right? It's been so difficult. And, and conversations, you know, and, I, and I never was, I, I never push anybody, think, you know, because it's, they're, not, they're not my children that I should suggest that they send the child when, when the parents are worried. Nevertheless, if you stop and think about it, so parent is so, so unbelievably worried that God forbid, that, that, and, they're, and they're rightfully so, that God forbid my child might be on a bus, who knows what's going to happen in Yushalayim if my child's on a bus. And what's going to be on that street? And I heard something happened in this place and that place. How can I send my child to Yerushalayim? How can I send my child to Yeshiva, to seminary, and so And I always think about this. Do you have the same fears when you send your child out, when the child's going in a car? Do you have the same fear when you, when you plop your kid in front of a television or when the child's up to four in the morning with an internet? Just because physically they're not going to get hurt. And what do you think your child's doing on the internet till three in the morning? 
And what do you think? I mean, sometimes I'm not saying you always up to the God forbid, but it could be that there's no shmir. And where's the child going? And how's the child spent his time? And this parent is crying bitter tears, worrying about my child being in Yerushalayim. When you should lie, they're much safer than, than on the streets over here. But okay, that's a different parasha. But they're bitter, bitter tears. Bitter tears about what's going to be, who's watching my child in you line. And you're thinking about this while the other kid, while your nine-year-old, is sitting watching some, some schmutz on the television in the next room. You're crying about your kid because you're afraid that God forbid some Yishmael shouldn't bother him. Which is a legitimate concern. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that at all. But what about the shmir of your nine-year-old in the next room? And what about your child who you keep home in the city? Where does he go Saturday nights? What's he doing? Who are his friends? So what do you think? That down that there's no shmira. And that you don't cry. And that you don't stay up late davening. A klal, if you don't daven for your children to be protected, it's very, very bad. We're going to talk a lot about that. So much to feel. Because now there's very little, we could, there's much less that we could say. Like my father used to say, it's very hard for us nowadays because they're so, we're so nervous about everything. We'll talk more about that. But to feel it, to cry and to beg Hashem that they should go the right way. And not to keep the televisions and not to, to keep wrong books and wrong magazines. You have people, you have boys in the house, 16, 17, 18 year old boys, and the mothers get magazines or books that are not proper, and they're sitting around the house. The Rabbi Shalom says, What are you doing? I sent you a, a shame, Hashem. You're, in, you're not only in vain, you're, you're, you're disgracing my holy name. And the 16-year-old boy, what do you want from him? That he shouldn't look at the magazine, he shouldn't look at the book. He shouldn't want to see a television on the parents' or What's he watching when he goes to the... All of these things that Hashem's Baruch wants us every second to think about and to worry about. And even if we can't say, we have to daven every minute that there should be shmir. And certainly to keep the wrong things away from them, not to bring them into those things. Hashem's Baruch should give us the strength to, to, to be honest and to be true and, and to do the right thing. And Hashem will continue.